We want to send you a free copy of our revolutionary book, The Freedom Model for Addictions. To help us bring this incredible gift to you, we ask that you pay a small fee for shipping. Learn how tens of thousands of people have permanently solved their addictions without steps or meetings and make 2023 your best year yet. Give yourself or someone you love the gift of total freedom from addiction. Click on the link to get your free copy sent to you today. Hey, everybody. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Addiction Solution. I'm Michelle Dunbar. And I'm Mark Sheeran, and we are the authors, along with Stephen Slate, of The Freedom Model for Addictions, this book, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap. And this book is the official deprogramming guide from 12-step addiction disease mythology. And what we're going to talk about today is we 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 kind of bag on the term recovery and being in recovery. And people will say to us, don't I want that? Isn't recovery a good thing? Yeah. Isn't recovery good? Why are you, why are you saying that, that uh, people in recovery, you're bagging on them, you're bashing them. We're, we, I want to be really clear. We never bash a person. No, God, no. We're bashing a method that harms people. We're bashing ideas right. that keep people stuck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We have a section in our book, um, in chapter one of our book, uh, that says addiction and recovery are opposite sides of the exact same coin. If you believe that you're in recovery perpetually from addiction, then you still have that addict identity. You are in this middle ground where you're not actually free. You're not actually a free thinking person. You have a belief system that you're forever chained to your past problematic substance use. Yeah. So, so by saying you're in recovery, there's so many things wrapped up in that term and it was designed that way. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's so problematic because Recovery implies disease. Recovery implies that because there's a disease present, you have a loss of control um, at some point in your drinking and drugging. It implies so many things that just are factually incorrect. Right. And Michelle brings up the best point of all, and that is, don't you want to move on? Yeah. Don't you want to just live your life free from any encumbrance or so, any idea that you are attached to your past, to your failed past, your miserable past, um, or that section in your life that was miserable, right, with drinking and drugging. I, I can remember, and I've seen thousands of people here in this purgatory where you're just constantly having to talk and rehash shit that happened years ago. Yeah. Why? There's no, there's no reason you have to do that. It was just that's something that AA teaches people. Yeah. It's just a, just an ethos that tells you you have to do that in order to stay sober, which is bizarre. It, it is, and I can understand it in a way because kind of Sigmund Freud kind of started this whole thing with this idea that oh, you know, your your brain gets, um, you know, you go through certain things and then your brain gets like locked and rigid in place at certain ages. And, and so you're the, the, 
the reason that you behave the way you do today is because of things that happened in your past. And, and mental health has moved way beyond that now, where we know that your brain is constantly changing and never becomes fixed. And, and your mind is infinitely exactly varied with free will. You can think anything you want. Exactly. So you can certainly learn from past behaviors. You can learn. Absolutely. The moving on from a substance use problem is about learning that, wow, I, there was a point in time when I, when I drank and drugged in a way that served me at that point in time, I, I thought it did but it doesn't serve me anymore. And I can move on from it. It doesn't define me. It really didn't define me back then. And it certainly doesn't define my future. Here's something that's interesting. So I'm going to, I'm going to go out in the weeds for just a second. So you understand how the human mind works. So our mind takes a concept and it, and it does this back and forth comparison to another concept. And what I mean by that is if you were born into this world and you had never seen a car before, and they've done this with blind people, people that were born blind, and then mm. they were able to see again. When they were able to see, it was meaningless. Faces were mm. meaningless. The wall, the, nothing had meaning. And the researchers that witnessed this were all excited when they were able to see for the first time. Right. And the person was completely let down because then they wanted to be blind again. And, and the reason being is their meaning was in a dark world. And so when you, when you go through the world, now these people eventually were taught- They acclimate, that, They right? acclimate, that's a lamp. And then that lamp, they might have an experience with turning on the lamp. Suddenly, now it has a greater meaning. And then they shut off the lamp. And they go, oh, that's how you turn off the lamp. Now, they couldn't know to, to, that that means turning off without having turned it on. They couldn't have known it was a lamp without being told it was a lamp. My point is your mind is constantly moving forward. What recovery does, it doesn't allow you to turn on the lamp, turn off the lamp, move forward with your life. It says, no, you must constantly regurgitate the very same thoughts and concentrate on your past, thusly making it so it's your future and your present. Mm -hmm. And, and so, or your present and your future. So, so your mind never gets to explore because you're constantly being told, remind yourself how bad it was. Remind yourself how bad it was. Remind yourself how bad it was every day. That's recovery. Now, some people are going to say, no, Mark, my recovery is wonderful. And I, I go, okay, you're not recovering from any. Stop saying that. There's nothing to recover from. You can't recover from yourself. There is no disease present. So, so we, what the freedom model does is it's challenging. You can see that it's challenging all kinds of ideas that you're being taught in this weird world called the recovery society that we call the recovery society, the treatment world, whatever you want to, the AA world, the NA world, the XA world, whatever. We want to challenge all that and say, do you believe it's possible for you to take this experience and then move on from it? Right. Turn the lamp on. Turn on the light, man. Move forward. Learn something. Evolve. 
you can evolve past a drinking and drug problem. That's very natural to do so until you're taught not to. You know, I look at it when you were talking, what it made that me, make sense? it made perfect sense. And I'm going to, I'm going to put it in a different way. I'm going to use a different analogy. It's like when you're starving, right? You're, you're very poor and you're starving. Maybe you, you're in a third world country and somebody brings you bread and it's like, oh my God, this bread is amazing. Oh, and so, so you get to, you're, you're eating the bread, you're eating, but that's all you have is bread. That's the way I look at recovery because you came from a place where you were starving, right? Because yeah, you were so dark, so dark, such a sad, dark place. And then recovery is that little, those bits of bread, right? And so you think this is wonderful. Well, then somebody brings you, um, you know, an orange and, and it's juicy and sweet and amazing. And, and so, so do you want to just subsist on bread, that I do you know it's funny when I used to teach classes way back in Hageman, back <laughs> we're talking almost 30 years ago. I would use an analogy. I said, What do you think you're worth? Mm. And and people would say, I don't know what you mean. I say, Well, from my perspective, recovery is like this. It's like somebody's saying, You have to sit under the table. The rest of us are gonna sit up here. Us normies, we're gonna sit we're, up here. Yeah, we get to be up here. And, and we're gonna have a steak dinner. Um, you, you sit down and you can take our crumbs. Yes. Who? Because, who? because you, because you liked being drunk and high. Yeah. And, and you'll never really be able to sit at the, t at the, at oh, the adult that's, table. That's a great analogy you know? too. Yeah. You'll never be, you'll never be a grown up. Yeah. Like the first time I ordered now this, people, you know, people are going to be like, Oh, Michelle, you know, you're saying that because you can drink wine now that somehow that makes, you know, it great. The first time I went to a restaurant that I didn't order wine, right? I didn't, I mean, when my husband and I, he proposed to me in a restaurant that we probably shouldn't have been at because there was a bar there, Ooh. right? It was yeah. a bar. The first time I went into a grown up restaurant and sat down to have dinner, I, and I wasn't concerned that there was a bar there. To me, that was, I was like, I know I'm fine. And that was freedom to me. Then I took it a step further. And the first time I sat down and which was 20 years later and ordered a glass of wine and it was okay. Like to me, that's sitting at the grown up table. Yeah. That's yeah. freedom. That is, I don't have to worry about anything. That's getting the orange when all you've been eating is bread. That's exactly right. So, so organic evolution is something that humans do constantly. And, and we do it in our minds first, and then our behaviors and actions, and then it becomes our life. And, and we, we organically evolve, and that means naturally, right? It just happens. And it happens because we are motivated by the pursuit of happiness. And in the, in the book, in this book, we talk about it as the positive drive principle, that you're always being pushed along and motivated by this desire to be a happier person. And... What recovery does is it stifles it. Yes. It says, no, 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 no. Slow that down. Slow that down. You're not really capable of being overlated, happy, successful. Joyful. Uh, joyful. You, you, you don't want to be on that pink cloud and have that shit come crashing down on you. And, um, and these are all these, these really horrible self-limiting ideas that recovery is wrapped around, built around. And that is weakness. Yes. It's built around. Fragility. Yeah, that you are a fragile, weak, 
subpar human being that has a defect. They even use the terms defects of character, um, chronic relapser, um, mentally ill, insane. Be, you have to be restored to sanity. Does any of this sound positive? Right. Why, why not just say, you know what? I'm a normal person that liked to get high and it, and it had some really terrible effects in my life. And I'm reevaluating that now. I've decided to reject the disease and recovery model. I've just because it isn't true, which right. is it's wonderful to reject that, by the way. And I'm going to I'm going to organically evolve forward in my life, and whatever that looks like, I, I'm looking forward to the journey and the adventure. And it could be taking a course at college. It could be uh, having a glass of wine, experimenting with drinking, smoking pot instead of sticking a needle in your arm, uh, taking methadone for a week to get off of whatever. I mean, I, I don't know. My, my point is, I don't care. Evolve. Yeah. Don't say that you're this debilitated person that has a disease that doesn't fucking exist. Exactly. Exactly. Now I want to go to even another facet of this that is equally damaging and equally problematic. And that is the idea when, when people identify themselves as an addict or alcoholic in recovery, there's a whole bunch of baggage that goes with that. So every difficulty that you experience in life Every emotional upheaval, if you have a temper tantrum, if you experience anger, if you experience jealousy, if you, whatever it is, it all somehow gets tied to the brokenness within you and isn't looked at as being a normal part of human existence. Okay. <laughs> so, so I, I mean, there was somebody that wrote um, in one of the, I, I think it was in Monica's deprogramming group on Facebook, um, wrote Monica about Richardson. Monica Richardson, a friend of ours, um, who, who is in this, in this fight with us, um, who wrote that, you know, I feel like a terrible person continuously feel like I'm less than like, I'm not worthy. Like, and, and you learn that in recovery, you learn that you're somehow not as good as other people. Kind of like Mark said, you never get to sit at the grown up table. And so every life struggle you experience becomes part of this idea of brokenness. Yeah, an identity that you are a child. Yes. That you're not entitled to be able to experiment with things, that you're that you're fragile and weak like a child. And and really where recovery goes into the dark space is when you go to AA and there are the 5% of people that hang out, right? And, uh, oh, my phone is ringing. Um, <laughs> he made me turn my ringer off. <laughs> well, I, I, I feel it on my wrist. I don't, I'm not used to having this smart thing. That's so funny. I, I forgot what I was saying now. What was I saying? You go into a dark place in recovery. Uh, yeah, but I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, that's so annoying. I'll get it back. I'll get it back. <laughs> I can't remember. So, so what? What we're saying when we say it's time to move past recovery, we say that a lot out there and, and people don't understand what that means. And they, and they look at, we don't judge you at all, not at all. We are the opposite of that. You know, as the freedom model, really that we, that name was chosen um, with great care 
because what we represent and what the freedom model represents is freedom, is actual freedom to be who you are, okay? With all of your strengths, which you have many, with all of your weaknesses, there is a, a kind of a positive movement too in social media. People don't talk enough about the positive movements of be who you are and it's okay. And the people that like who you are will come to you and the people that don't will naturally go away and it's okay. I'm not everybody's cup of tea, believe it or not. I know it's shocking. <laughs> I'm making a joke. Um, but uh, but like everybody's, you can't make everybody happy with with the way you behave and the way you act and the way you think. And it's okay. So look at if you're happy identifying as in recovery, and there are a lot of people that are, there are people that are, then great. We think that's wonderful. But they're the vast majority of people that try to solve a substance use problem are not. They're yeah. not happy being in recovery. They want to move on. The only thing I wanted when I quit my substance use problem, I mean, my heavy substance use was to feel quote unquote normal. Yeah. So the, the dark place I was going to ties into this was you have 5% of the people that stay in recovery and become the gurus or the, you know, the people that run the show, the crusaders, yeah, right? The zealots, yep. the zealots. I was one of them. I was a we, big book thumper. I, we did all this yep, nonsense. We did it. The unfortunate part is that there's another 95%. So 95 out of a hundred people that go to AA within that first year that are getting chewed to pieces. And they're getting chewed to pieces because they are the newcomer. They are the the newbie, and um, and they're treated, they're infantilized, you know, and they're treated like they can't make decisions. Mm, they can't think. They shouldn't think for themselves. Stop thinking because your best thinking got you here. Right. That is the opposite of human progress. It is the opposite of human behavior that motivates. It's literally how you take somebody and you slowly whittle them down to nothing. Mm. And then what Michelle just described is they what what these what these rulers do, these gurus do, is they start to frame everything about your life as the newcomer in this weird way that it's all wrapped up in recovery, that you need recovery. Right. You know, what does your sponsor think about that? And, um, you know, I want to go to college. Well, can you handle that? You know, and these are the, these are the, the talks that people have with their five-year-old, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so who gave the guru the right, how, how did they get the right to, to know what's best for you? Um, it was just handed to them. No, they just rose up on the power hierarchy of the recovery movement. That's how it works. That's how cults work. Now I want to, I want to jump over from that to, um, oh shoot. Now I lost my other train of thought. Cause I had like five thoughts. I got to get a pen. And start writing <laughs> stuff down. Sometimes we remember yeah. to do that. <laughs> I lost it. Well, I'll, I'll get it back. Well, with, with what Mark was saying, um, you know, we did do that. We did do the, I, I never wanted it. It was, is it, we were talking about this the other day, like everywhere I would go in my life, 
people would always seem to look to me for answers to things. And, and I can remember when I went to AA, I had equal parts, people coming to me looking for answers, which I didn't really think I had. And people, you know, the, the old timers resenting me, like you're on a pink cloud, you're way too happy. What's wrong with you? You know? And it was this kind of strange mix Um, but at any given moment in time, from the time I had about six months, right up until we left, which was 10 years in, um, you know, I was sponsoring people and, and, and I just thought it was such a strange, um, I don't know what word I'm looking for. It was just this, this strange thing that I, on the one hand felt like I was broken in some way. And on the other hand, I was supposed to be telling these people who also were broken in some way, what they should be doing. Oh God, it's just like high school. You have the popular kid that's running the show. And years later you find out that their entire life was a fucking mess. Right. And they were completely insecure and that's why they rose to that position. So they may have had some skill sets in that area, but also they had insecurities. They're just like anybody else. Just, uh, right. Just trying to right. win it. <laughs> the problem with AA is it pulls people in and it really divides you out. That's what I wanted to say is I don't judge anybody. I'm going to switch gears. I don't judge anybody as a person no. in recovery. No. I, I want to be careful about this because we get a lot of, of people getting very defensive when we beat on recovery as an ethos, as an idea or a set of ideas. Um, and they think, why are you beating up on people? Yeah. If they're not drinking, it's good. Yeah. Why are you beating up on people's sobriety? Shouldn't you be celebrating that? I've never, when we're talking about this, Michelle, me, the freedom model, we're not saying that you as a person are stupid for doing that. God, no, we did it. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's, we're not criticizing the people in recovery. We're criticizing recovery. The idea. Yeah, that you need some sort of of protocol that is disease oriented or disorder oriented or uh, mental illness oriented. Now, if you have a mental illness, that's a different topic. We're talking about addiction being covered as a mental illness and that you're insane. Okay, that's like AA tells you you're insane. You have to be restored to sanity. So these are the types of things we have to be very precise about. And we want you to know that if you're out in the audience and you're saying, Jesus Christ, they're beating up on recovery. I feel I feel really hurt by that. Please don't be. What we're trying to do is show you that you can be free of this ethos and that the reason we're saying this is because we care about you. Right, right. We want you to understand and know that there is a pathway beyond it, that there is, there is a whole repertoire of of food beyond bread okay that you that you are free to explore and 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 you have just as much right to it as any other human being on the planet yeah and that you're not you were never broken because you had a preference for intoxication people have wanted to get intoxicated since the beginning of time yeah this is thousands of years okay it's normal it means you're normal now not everybody likes it as much as we all like it right (laughs) it was a bit radical i mean i was that kid on the playground who liked to spin 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 (laughs) lay down on the ground like because i couldn't stand up okay i was that kid not every kid was doing that (laughs) but but a lot were 
there were some that were. And, and so, yeah, I was somebody who, when I just, when I got drunk, I was like, Ooh, this is fun. And I did it to like, I did it to excess. Does that mean I have a addictive personality? No. Yeah. There's no such thing as an addictive personality. There's no research that can uh, find a group of people that have a, a more addictive personality than another. Anything can can become your addiction. And, and it's kind of one of those things that people like, you know, I'm a chocolate addict or I'm a, you know, I, I, I love being in love or like, there's all kinds of things that people love to do that they will just kind of say that they're dedicated or devoted to it. My sister runs marathons. I think it's insane. Like, like I would never run 26 miles. I like running. I used to like running a lot and I would run three or four miles, not 26 miles. That doesn't sound fun to me. <laughs> But but it doesn't mean my sister is addicted or has a problem. It means that that is something that she's dedicated to, that she loves doing, that serves her well. Well, here here's an interesting thing. If we look at what the criteria is for an addiction, right? It's a habit. And and we're habit creating machines, right? And and really one of the most pervasive or commonly created addictions would be driving a car. Uh, most adults in, in the first world have That's a car sure. or a vehicle of some and kind. And I love driving. And it, it it's habitual, it's motivated, and it's very motivated. Having human motion oh, yeah. makes the world go round. So, so if you have a, a habit like driving a car, which takes a high level of skill, is dangerous, has huge risks, um, it's costly, it's one of the most costly things in the world. Yeah. Um, and yet we wouldn't say that there's anything wrong with it. We wouldn't, we wouldn't even say it's virtuous either. We would just say that it's a habit. Yep. Well, if we take that and it, and it has a high fatality rate, yep. it can be tragic. We all know people who have died in car accidents. Mm-hmm. Um, and we look at that and we take the emotion out of it and we put heroin use here. All right. A population of heroin users it's habit. It can be tragic. Uh, it's highly motivated. It's chosen and, uh, it's costly. So they're, they're both addictions. They're both identical. They, the the criteria is the same in both. Except for one's legal and one isn't. Except for the, that's right. Except for the social implications and views based on the social implications, based on the views. So the the view of heroin is it's bad. Driving a car is seen as good. Both kill people. Both are highly chosen and motivated. Both are, heroin's not universally used, but car, driving a car is universally used. And yet it's tragic, you know, and causes a, a tremendous, look at all the hospital beds that are filled with people from automobile accidents. Yes. Right. So, so we need to start looking at these things in realistic ways and realizing just because you put a substance in your body and you choose to do that doesn't mean you're diseased, broken, in need of recovery. There's nothing to recover from. Now, I'm not talking about the physical ramifications. Of course, you might beat the shit out of your body with drugs. Okay, you'll recover from that. But we're talking about in the mind, right? You, you can't recover from something you like. It's a choice. You can't recover from choice. How do you, that like, that's nonsensical. That's a really great point. That is a really great point. You can't recover from 
there's nothing to recover from 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 a behavior that you did because you enjoy, enjoyed it. How do you I recover mean, that, from when that? I was a like, kid, we I liked water skiing. I'm not in recovery from water skiing. So what they had to do is they had to make it have pathology. They 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 made it a disease out of thin air. Yeah. What, what they did is they created a concept of it being a disorder of some kind for you to choose heroin when really you fucking like it. Well, and it, it also stems from the morality aspect of it too. Of and course. I look at in this country, there's a lot of racism involved in it too, quite frankly. Um, you know, opiates, the Asians kind of brought over opiates. And if you look at any historical, even historical movies now and stuff will show you clearly that, that opiates got a stigma because of who was using them. And marijuana got the stigma because who brought it into the country and was using it. Cocaine got the same stigma even in the 80s. You know, crack got the same stigma in the 80s because of who was using it. So so a lot of this stuff stems, has roots that are pretty ugly um, that, you know, that enlightened people today would look at and go, hmm, maybe we should take a look at that. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so it's so, a political football. It's political. So yeah. so the idea of, first of all, that you are deviant because you like heavy substance use. First, there's deviance. Right. And then there's uh, there's a certain amount of you're broken. You're you're this you're this subset of human. Um, and then you never really get out of that subset when you stay in recovery. Right. Right. You're still right. part of that. And and everybody, all the people around you will look at you and treat you differently. That was the thing. I think one of the things that was so, oh, it felt so gross to me was going to a family function when I was sober. Oh, Jesus Christ. And everybody tapped at them. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, oh, you know, I can remember going to a wedding and somebody saying, we made sure that that you're at a table with non-drinkers and i'm like what like it's embarrassing yeah yeah. i mean and it's unnecessary that's right it's infantilizing yeah but all of this we have to go back to the poisoned well Mm -hmm. the poisoned well is you have a disease yeah called addiction it's a lie it's a fabrication it's completely 100 percent made up and if you get rid of the disease, what are you left with? A habit. Yep. A chosen preference for heavy intoxication that you have for personal reasons that's mixed with all kinds of confusion. Yeah. And this book clarifies the confusion. It, it wipes it away so that you can then make a clean decision internally and say, do I still value this experience? That has nothing to do with recovery. No, there's nothing to recover from. There's no weakness present. There's just choices to be made. That's a line straight out of the book. Yep. There's just choices to be made, but you can't make just choices if there's all this other stuff in the way telling you that you're a broken human being with some sort of biochemically hacked brain and you can't make decisions for yourself. So therefore you need recovery. You need a rehab. You need a sponsor. You need a therapist to tell you how to live your life. Now, if you want to live that, Okay. That's recovery. Yeah, that is recovery. And it's okay. But I don't want that. I don't want that. And I know that there are a whole lot of people in the world that don't want that. If they knew the truth and they understood what I'm saying, but that's why we wrote this. Get it. It's free. You can have it. Free book. 
dot the freedom model. No, free book dot freedom model. I do that every time. I know because the freedom model.org is our website. Oh, and yeah. so it's very yeah. confusing to yeah. us when they did it this way. It wasn't our choice. So <laughs> it's free book dot freedom model dot org. And, and here, here's what I want to leave you with, with respect to recovery. If that's what you want, okay. And maybe yeah. that's your stepping stone, but at some point, you're gonna at outgrow some it. point you're going to outgrow it and you're going to be ready to literally move on. You are not a subset of human yeah. because at one point you liked to get drunk and high. You're not, you are normal. Many like almost, this is what you need to know. Here's a good number for you. Um, when you look at the data, heavy substance use peaks between the ages of 18 and 24. I've said this before. And more than 70% of people polled, and these, these are called monitoring the future studies and um, Ted's sheets and stuff. More than 70% polled say that they are regular binge heavy binge drinkers. Um, about 25% were are drug users in that age group, right? That's a lot of people that as they go through that phase um, are heavy substance users. And by the age, by their 30s, that number has is cut in by a third right, or by two thirds, right? So it's down to less than 30%. And then as it gets older, as people get older, as the, the population ages, it gets lower and lower and lower. It's normal. It's normal to go through a phase of heavy substance use. Most people do more than half do. And, um, and it's okay. You can move on from it and be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I just want to say something about the book. So this book is designed to, to get rid of recovery. Yeah. No need for it. You know, we're hanging on to a model from 1939. Yeah. That was fabricated by a drunken stockbroker. And at that point in time, they were still doing exorcisms for mental illness, That's just right. so you know. And bloodletting. They were still, mm -hmm. you know, draining your blood as as a means of... <laughs> of some... we've, uh, yeah, we've moved on from that. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think that what you need to know is this is going to replace Alcoholics Anonymous and all the 12-step paradigm over time. And, and it's time to just let go of recovery, let go of the disease falsity and move on with your life. And this is how you can do that. I, I threw a number out there in one of my, one of my videos yesterday where I said about 75% and it's probably more than that, like 80% of the addiction problem that people face is totally based on misinformation. It's misinformation that addiction and recovery have, have sold you. Yeah. Okay. And this is the only, the only book available that puts all of that misinformation and shows you what it is and how to change it and how to change those be false beliefs that are keeping you stuck. Or you can go through what we did 27 years of sifting through all the various people and researchers and collect all that data and try and figure it out for yourself. But we did it for you. Yeah. You don't have to you do it. Yeah. You don't have to, you do don't it. have to reinvent the wheel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we invented the path out of uh, addiction yeah. and recovery. Yep. And we want to thank all of our listeners. If you are listening and you know somebody that can benefit from this podcast, share it with them. Also, 
Give us a five-star rating if you like us. Yeah, it helps us reach more people. Yep. Subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel. Um, subscribe to the podcast. The Freedom Model Group and Facebook. Yes, you can come right on. We have a three, the Freedom Model Group and Facebook. We're everywhere now, okay? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok. Um, we're- yeah, TikTok's fun. You want to see some wild- Oh, my You want to see some wild <laughs> trolls going nuts on me? Holy mackerel. It's, it's crazy. It's yeah, fun. The, the, the recovery, the, the addiction recovery community on, uh, on, on TikTok is pretty rabid. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm constantly <laughs> sparring with people. It's, but Hey, it's, it's getting the debate out there. And I think it's important. It's time. Yeah. It's time. Look at, look at when we were learning all of this, we kind of stayed, stayed in the background for a long time because we wanted to know that we, we wanted to get the information. We wanted to get it Right. And if you want to become an affiliate uh, or somebody that's involved in working with us on the Freedom Model and promoting it, um, just give us a call at 888-424-2626 or contact us at info at thefreedommodel.org. And here's here's a great tip. Based on this podcast today, if you're somebody that's you know, you, you felt like you've been in recovery long enough and you're, and you're ready to, to take that leap to get out of, you know, to, to, to separate yourself from, from whatever meetings you're going to, or, and just be able to move on a really great tool to do that is our online program. Massive, massive. It's, it's affordable. Um, and it, it will, take you through the process. He and I teach it just like this. Um, but, but it'll take you through the book and the process of fully deprogramming from all of the misinformation, challenging all of those beliefs you have about addiction, about yourself, about the drugs, about the drugs and alcohol and and their supposed powers. Yep. And it really will help set you free. So thanks everybody. We hope you have one, yeah. one last thing. And if you need help one-on-one, we have coaching as well. Yeah, we do. So we give do. us a call. All right. All right. Have a great week. Bye everybody. Are you struggling with a drug or alcohol problem, but you don't want to go to rehab or group meetings? That's why we created the non-12-step Freedom Model Coaching Program in 2011. Through video conferencing on Zoom or Skype, you can work privately with a certified Freedom Model Coach from your home or office on your schedule. And here's the best part. With the Freedom Model, you'll never be labeled an addict or an alcoholic, and we won't tell you to go to 12-step meetings or hamper your life with endless recovery rituals. Instead, you can learn exactly why addiction isn't a disease and how you can solve the problem for good and move on with your life. Do you want to be completely free from your addiction? Do you want to never have to attend meetings, rehabs, or addiction counseling ever again? And do you want to solve your problem from the comfort of home? Then call us at 888-424-2626 to talk with a Freedom Model coach today and experience the Freedom Model difference.